0: And he has risen. He has risen. risen. And in the third century, the uh, church would gather just before sunup sunrise and they would send somebody to the top of the building and look over the eastern horizon and when the sun would begin to rise upon the hill he would shout down to the church he has risen and the church would answer back he is risen indeed now i know it's not sunrise but we do celebrate the risen lord so he has risen risen that's right he has Well, just a few days prior to the resurrection, Jesus was arrested on some trumped-up charges, had an unfair trial, was beaten and tortured beyond recognition and nailed to a cross all before 9 a.m. on Friday. He hangs on the cross for six hours before he dies and his followers they find a tomb nearby and they take his body down off the cross and they wrap it in the customs of the day and they place his body inside the tomb and roll a stone over the entrance and seal it all right before sundown Saturday comes and it is unbelievable doom and gloom for his followers as they began to recount and replay the events over the last few days. And that begins to settle in. And sometime early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, the God who spoke creation into existence speaks life into the lifeless body of his son, Jesus. Now, you know how the scene unfolds, right? I mean, the the disciples, they get there early because they want to get a good seat for the resurrection, right? Because people are coming in from all over because word has trickled out. Hey, the miracle worker, he said he was going to raise from the dead. This is going to be the biggest of all miracles, the biggest of all magic tricks. He's coming back from the dead on the three days. And hey, we got to get there. And as Chris said, hey, can you hurry up in there, girls? We got to get there. We don't want to miss it. So the disciples, they got their lawn chairs all set up outside the tomb. You know, there's uh, they've got their Yetis full with drinks. There's beach balls being batted up in the air in the audience, as you've seen at a concert, and the DJs getting the crowd umped. Um, oops, 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 oops. They got briskets on the on the smokers, and that that, fl- that fragrance is just waffled through through the whole uh, you know, crowd. They're all there. They're excited with anticipation, right? See, sometime, while it was still dark in the middle of the night, God has spoken life into his son, Jesus, and Jesus walked out of the tomb to a grand audience of none. The angel showed up. The angel showed up to to move the stone and they moved the stone not so that Jesus could get out of the tomb, but they moved the stone so that you and I could go into the tomb and investigate what God has done. And that's what we're gonna do today. So we're so thrilled that you're here. Would you pray with us? And Father God, thank you so much for what you've done. Let us not forget Let us not limit that to a celebration, just one time of year, but let us celebrate the resurrection, the life and the death and the resurrection of your son every day and the difference that that makes in our lives every day. So Father, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to critically think this morning. We need that this morning. We need to critically engage your word and we need hearts to embrace so that we can go from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in the middle of this series called John, uh, the Gospel of John, and we're looking at the life of Jesus. And we started this series back in January. The prequel was really Advent. And so we're we're going through the whole book of John this year. And we'll be done right before Thanksgiving. And so next week we kick off part two. So, you know, you can just jump right in with this next week. But, um, But today, we're going to skip ahead to John chapter 20, because in John chapter 20 is John's account of the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, John writes himself into the story in some pretty fantastic ways, and I hope you'll play along with me this morning. So, John chapter 20, verse 1, if you want to open up your Bibles, or we'll put it up on the screen for you, or you can pull it up on your phones. But John chapter 20, this morning, just as John's account says, so early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, who was a follower of Jesus, uh, had been um, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she shows up. It's still dark. Uh, she doesn't see anybody. She doesn't hear anybody. She kind of gets scared and shows, she runs off to get some of the disciples. Okay, verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, the other disciple, in case you're wondering, is John. Okay, John is the other disciple. Now, I don't know why he's talking, you know, in second person or third person or whatever person it is. Maybe an English teacher can kind of help us with that. Um, I don't know why he just doesn't say yours truly. Uh, That would have been a little easier, but he says the other disciple. So who is the other disciple? Who's the other disciple? John. John. Okay, good. You're with me. Okay. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, which was? John, the one Jesus loved. Now, John wanted to get it on record to be read for generation after generation after generation that Jesus had 12 disciples that he liked just fine, but he was best friends with John, okay? That he was best friends, that he had a special relationship with John, that him and John were, uh, uh, were you know, that John was his favorite, okay? So the other disciple is John, uh, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple, which is John, um, started for the tomb. And both were running, but the other disciple, who is who? John, the other disciple, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So, so far, on the most important day in human history... We have John was Jesus' favorite, and John outran Peter to the tomb. That's what we got going for us so far on this first Easter Sunday. And maybe, I don't know, maybe if we wanted to really celebrate Easter the way, uh, you know, they did, maybe next Easter, next year, you know, we need to, you know, at, at, at sunrise, instead of having a service, maybe we need to have a run to the tomb 5K, Okay. Maybe that's what we ought to do. You know, hey, join us, Gospel City. You know, join Gospel City for a run to the tomb 5K. So so that's what we got so far. We got John was the favorite, and he's the fastest. And he just wanted to get that on record so that as this is being read for centuries to come, everybody knows. So, So he, that's John, bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. So John didn't have enough guts to go in the tomb. Okay, he may have got there first, but he didn't have enough guts. Uh, But then he redeemed, it's kind of this moment of vulnerability, this moment of transparency. Uh, But then he kind of comes to his senses and he says, then Simon Peter came along behind him. Now I'm really shocked so far of how John's writing this. I'm, I'm shocked that John doesn't say, and Simon Peter came up huffing and puffing out of breath and had to catch his breath for a moment, but he doesn't. He says, Simon Peter came along behind him, just want to get that on record, and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around uh, Jesus' head, and the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, which is who? Which is John. The other disciple, which is John, who had, you know, just a case you forgot from a couple of verses ago, um, who reached the tomb, What? first right and he probably turned to Peter and said hey you know second place is first loser okay um who reached the other disciple who reached the tomb first went inside and he saw and believed so something happened when John went inside the tomb something happened in his heart in his mind and and he was changed and he believed and that's what today is about Today is about us stepping inside the tomb and asking questions. And we all need to know it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, uh, to be unsure. It's okay to have our doubts. It's okay to be a skeptic. And, and if that's where you are today, I'm so glad that you're here. And, and our prayer for this Sunday in particular has been that we would all walk away having gone in. To the tomb, done our investigation, critically thought with their minds about the truth, about the evidence of who Jesus is and what he did, and walk out of here believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So now, Peter and John, they didn't fully understand the resurrection at the time. We'll get verse 9. It says, then they still did not understand from Scripture uh, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So John is just basically saying, hey, at the time we didn't understand how essential, how crucial the resurrection of Jesus was. Because Jesus came to live the life that we can't live and die the death that we deserve. And when Jesus laid down, willingly laid down his life on the cross uh, in our place, that was a legal transaction. Because the Bible says that all of us have Fallen short of the perfection of God. Every single one of us, every single person on the planet has fallen short, have sinned. And and because of sin, we owe a debt that we cannot pay. Now, some of us think, well, you know, if I can just be good enough, I can pay off that debt. Or if I can uh, do enough religious, you know, religious deeds, I can pay off that debt. Or if I can give away enough money, I can pay off that debt. Or, you know, if I can just do, 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 do do this, I can pay off that debt. But even even on our best day with our best performance, it is not good enough. And so something had to be done about our debt. And Jesus lived this perfect life. It's the life we can't live. And that was payment. His life was payment in full for our sin debt. And when Jesus died on the cross, God was then free to forgive us of our sin. Now, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is, is eternal life. So there's two parts here. There's the debt part, but then there's the the life part. And if Jesus had only died, God could still legally forgive us of our sin because our our sin debt had been paid. But we have to remember that sin doesn't, doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. The wages of sin is death. And so... We're spiritually dead before we put our faith in Christ. And so we need something or someone who has the power to come and make us spiritually alive. And because Jesus did live the life that we can't live, his life in place of ours is our source. His life in place of ours is, his resurrected life is our power that makes us go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive when we quit trusting in our own performance and put our trust in his performance for us. And so the life of Jesus is what gives us life and it connects us to God and John says that he didn't fully get that but when he stepped into the tomb, the empty tomb, he critically thought with his mind and he braced it with his heart and he that Jesus was risen from the dead. I'll skip down to verse 19. Verse 19, John writes, On the evening of that first day of the week, so now it's, now it's, Sunday, it's Sunday evening now, um, and the disciples, they had, they had seen, the, uh, they seen the empty tomb, they'd seen the strips of linen, but none of them have seen Jesus yet. Only a few people had seen Jesus. And when the disciples were together with the doors locked, Keep that in mind, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So the reason why their doors are locked is because they just just witnessed what the Jewish leaders were able to do to their leader, Jesus, and how brutal it was. And so they're scared for their own lives. And so they're in this room and they're, you know, they're locking the door, they're locking the deadbolt, but you know, that's probably not enough. Hey, let's do what they do in the movies and let's stick this, uh, you know, chair underneath the, underneath, you know, the door lock. And hey, Peter, push that dresser, put that dresser over here, you know, and, uh, hey, hey, you know, uh, John here, get, get, get that dining room table. They are barricading themselves in this house because they are scared to death that what happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. And so then something, something remarkable, something wonderful happens in verse 19. It says that on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, apparently that when you come back from the dead, walking through walls is no longer an issue. Okay? That you can just kind of walk through walls. Notice that Jesus didn't he didn't knock on the door. He didn't ring the doorbell. He didn't activate the you know the ring and you know get down on the camera, say, "Hey guys, it's Jesus. You know, just want to let you know, I- I'm back, baby." No, he just walks right through the walls. And so, notice their reaction says and and Jesus says to them, peace, be with you. Now, now, why in the world did Jesus have to say, peace, be with you? Well, probably two reasons. Number one, Jesus is peace. He's the prince of peace. And so he's saying, hey, guys, peace here, okay? I'm with you. Number two is he had to calm them down because they're freaking out. They're like, oh, my gosh, I mean, that, what's going on? They're scared because, you know, somebody who looks a lot like Jesus just walked through that wall. They're freaking out, okay? They weren't in there singing kumbaya. They're not saying, oh, praise God, Jesus is there. They're scared to death. Not only are they scared that they're gonna be killed like Jesus, now they're scared that somebody just walked through that wall and Jesus says, whoa, 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 peace be with you. Verse 20. And so after he said this, he showed them his hands in his side. Now, he, he says, guys, let's just get right to it, okay? You, you see these holes in, in, in my wrist? You see these holes in my feet? He raises up his, his robe. See this hole in my side? So, you see, he, he didn't come there to lecture the disciples. He, he didn't come there and say, guys, what are you guys doing? You're locked up. You're barricaded in this room like a bunch of pansies. I mean, we're trying to start a movement here. He didn't show up in that room and say, you know, why, why weren't you guys at the tomb? You know, I told you over and over and over, I was gonna die and three days later, I'll come back. I'm gonna die three days later. I told you, why weren't he? He didn't come there to say that. He came and he said, whoa, 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 peace. It's okay, I'm here. And what that says about Jesus is it's okay that we have doubts. It's okay that we have questions. It's okay that we that we want to investigate who he is. And so after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. Now, they weren't just joyous. They were overjoyous. They they were joy uh, to to the max there. Skip down to verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. I mean, maybe he had to do a taco run. Um, maybe he had tickets to the Cinderella ball. I, I, I don't know, you know. I mean, it is Easter, so we know that that's when that happens. Um, but we don't know why Thomas isn't there. But now Thomas, one of the 12, was not there with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen Jesus. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in my hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I could just see, you know, know, when, when Thomas says that, I could just see all the disciples taking one big step back as if lightning was about to strike. And so Thomas he he doesn't believe he's got to see it. He he's got to see for himself. Now now for for some of us, you know, the first time we heard the gospel, man, it, we 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 engaged it with our minds and our hearts and we believed and we followed Jesus. For others of us, you know, maybe we you we, you grow up in church your whole life and you can't really tell describe the moment you became a follower of jesus but but you just always remember that hearing the truth and then one day it stopped being your parents faith or your grandparents faith and it became your faith or maybe you're the kind of person that just likes to take things apart you like to take the microwave apart you know somebody can't set the clock after you know daylight savings time so you're like, well i'll just take it apart Maybe you like to take apart your car. Maybe you like to take apart your hard drive. Maybe you like to take apart your phone. Whatever it is. You just like to know how things work. You like to investigate. You like to ask your questions. You like to, you like to, you know, to know how things are to be. And maybe that's how Thomas was. He just needed to see it for himself. Verse 26. A week later. So a week has gone by now. And his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So, so Thomas, he's not missing it again. He's probably stayed pretty close to the disciples, right? I mean, you know, miss it once, shame on you, miss it once, you know, twice, shame on me kind of deal. And though the doors were locked, so again, they're in the room, they're still terrified. Let's do the chair trick. Let's get the dresser, you know, in front of the door. They're still scared, but, but Thomas is, he's barricaded in the room with them, okay? And um, Thomas was with them, and though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And they're again like, oh my gosh, he's back. They're scared, they're freaking out. Again, Jesus has to say, peace, be with you. Hey, I'm here, guys, I'm with you. And then he said to Thomas, now, now, this is the scene that plays out in my mind when Jesus says, Thomas. You remember, remember as a kid when on the PA system, they would call your name? You know, Jeffrey Hanson, please report to the office. Jeffrey Hanson, please report to the office. What did everybody in the class do? Oh, you were there. <laughs> you were there with somebody. Yeah. What did they do again? Say, do it with me. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I can imagine when, when, when Jesus said, Thomas, all the disciples went, okay, this, we're getting some steam next year. We're doing a 5K run to the tomb and we're gonna have an Easter pageant, all right? Because all you guys are great actors and actresses, all right? So, so he says, Thomas, and, and, and all the disciples, one more time. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you're smoking now. You're cooking. And he said that Thomas... Put your finger here in my hands. If I'm Thomas, I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) I'll pass. You're here. I'm convinced. And she's like, no, 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 Thomas. Put your hand to my side. Now these aren't these are glorified wounds here. I mean these are wounds after the resurrection. Now, these, are, these aren't oozing, bleeding wounds. These are glorified wounds or scars. But, so apparently after you know, we die and we have our resurrected bodies, we can walk through walls, which would be great for scaring your little sister. Um, and uh, you kind of look like yourself, and, and then you, you, you maybe have some scars. So he says, put your hand in my side. And then Jesus says to Thomas... What I, what I think he wants to say to some of us today. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. And you say, well, yeah, but Thomas, he, you know, he got to see Jesus. Well, we, we have evidence, guys. I mean, it says here in, in Luke that, that Jesus appeared to 500 people at the same time. I don't care how good of an illusionist you are. You're not going to get 500 people to see the same hallucination at the same time. There were 500, over 500 eyewitnesses that saw Jesus and there were more. And in, in, in many of these gospels, that were, these gospels that were written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, they're circulating. They've been written, copied. They're circulating in towns, uh, you know, 20 to 30 years after Jesus was resurrected. So there's still people alive who can say, yep, I was there. I saw him. I, I, I saw him. I, I was one of the 15,000 that got fed. I, I, I saw him die. I saw him die on that cross. And I saw him after the resurrection. The the disciples, guys, they, they went on to take the gospel out to other parts of the world. And all of them were brutally persecuted and tortured and executed. Nobody is dying for a hoax. Nobody is dying for a lie. And if this whole Jesus thing isn't true, don't you think that somebody along the way in history would have come and said, you know what? That didn't happen. 2,000 years later, we're still saying the same story. Nobody can disprove it. Here's your evidence. And what Jesus said to Thomas, he's saying to some of us, stop doubting and believe. In other words, stop trying to save yourself with your performance and your good deeds and trust in my performance and my good deeds for you. Put your faith in me and not yourself for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And see, our message as a church is not that you know, once, we, once we put our faith in Jesus that we'll have easy lives. I mean, we, we experience pain and loss just like everybody else is Christians. We experience sickness and disease and death and struggles and disappointment and pain and betrayal. But the, 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 what we have during those is we have something bigger than all of those. And his name is Jesus. And he's been resurrected. And the Easter is about Jesus coming and conquering sin and death. And so it doesn't matter what the world will throw at us, and it will throw a lot of stuff at us. And I would use another word, kids weren't in the room. But it throws death and disease and betrayal and hatred and rejection at us. But what we have, what the world doesn't have is we win because Jesus wins. And the Bible says that Jesus will come back one day. And when he does, he will take every, (laughs) every tear and wipe it away. No more pain, no more loss, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death, no more goodbyes. And everything will be restored as it was meant to be in the first place. But sin and death has robbed us of the life that God intended. (coughs) And Jesus came to restore that. John goes on in verse 30. says, Jesus performed many other (coughs) signs and, and wonders in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And the band's gonna come and I just wanna give us an opportunity just to critically think for a moment. Because some of us, I know we've been trying and trying and trying to tip the scale our way. And, you know, I'm trying to be good enough. And, you know, maybe at the end of my life, God will let me in based on what I've done. Well, how good is good enough? Every religion tells us, every other religion in the world says, be good, strive on. Hopefully you get to the end and you've lived a good enough life. Christianity is the only religion that says it's not about what we can do for God, but it's about what God has already done for us. It's not about us trying to get to God. It's about God coming down to us in the form of a man in Jesus. And he lived a life that we cannot live even on our best day and, deserve and die the death that all of us deserve every day. And the way we grab on to this forgiveness of sin, this debt, this canceled debt, is we transfer our faith from ourselves to Jesus. And it's not the words that you say, but it's the meaning behind the words and the person you're saying to the words to. And it's just a prayer in your own words to say, Father, I... I I'm critically thinking about the truth and I've come to the understanding that 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 Jesus was your son and the savior of the world and today I'm giving up on myself and trying to tip the cosmic scale my way and I'm putting my full faith, full trust, full confidence in Jesus's life, death and resurrection for me. I'm embracing that with my heart and embracing that with my mind. And Father, would you forgive me, not based on my pedigree or my past or what I've done or how what I haven't done, but would you forgive me based on what your son did for me of all my sins, past, present, and future. And Father, free me from religion of thinking that it's up to me for the rest of my life. But God, would you help me live every single day in gratitude of what you have done for me. And that's where your brothers and sisters in Christ in. That is a prayer saying, God, thank you. I was spiritually dead, but you've awakened these dry bones in my heart and now I'm spiritually alive and you've adopted me as your son or daughter and now I have all the rights and privileges that go with your name. That's what it means. And eternal life starts the moment that we put our faith in Jesus. It doesn't start when we die. That'd be eternal existing. Eternal life is this full life. doesn't mean it's gonna be pain-free, but it means we've got something bigger in the midst of that storm. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That Jesus is our only hope and everything else fades away.